The Thriving Over Surviving podcast is for informational and inspirational purposes and not meant to be medical advice. Please consult your physician for any medical issues you may be facing. The opinions expressed by guests and advertisers are their own and not necessarily the opinions of Thriving Over Surviving podcast. As soon as I then made peace with myself and made peace with others that it's not up to anybody else to fix me because first of all, I'm not broken. And second of all, it's nobody else's issue, problem, responsibility, whatever way you want to put it. But once I made that resolve, I allowed love for myself. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? Karen Dwyer is my guest today. She is a neuro coach and founder of MS to Success program. She is a leader in neurodiversity, a number of international advisory boards, and is a member of the International Coaches Federation. After a career in multimedia Euro business, in finance, media, luxury retail, Karen now uses the latest scientific research in neuroplasticity, nutrition, and movement to support people to ease fear around disease diagnosis and translate their intentions into reality. For this, Karen was actually awarded the Republic of Ireland's Best Health and Wellbeing Coach for 21-22's year, and she's won Company of the Year and American Business Award in 2021, the Best Nonprofit COVID Response in 2019, and named the top eight female business owners to watch. And you know, Karen Dwyer also has multiple sclerosis. And so we're going to speak to her today about all of these topics and more. Let's chat it up with Karen Dwyer. Hi, Karen. How are you today? Hi, I'm really good. Thank you. I've just realized that I'm freezing over here and you're not. And (laughs) I'm slightly wishing I was in Florida instead of Ireland. But nonetheless, (laughs) it's great to be here. Come over on vacay. I, I plan on it. Good. I'd like to hear that. So Karen, I know that you were diagnosed at about 31. And I want to know within your diagnosis story, right? What, how did stress, how did stress contribute to that in in you being diagnosed? Great question. So I would say it's one of the most prominent parts and, and attributes to leading to my diagnosis. I would say that I could probably pinpoint some particular life events that were, you know, pivotal in my diagnosis, actually, in leading me into the hospital for that monumental MRI where I was told that the number of lesions on my brain would be normal for an 80-year-old and I was 31. So, yeah, look, stress played a major, major part. And it's it's something that I'm so passionate now about when I work with clients that you realize what stress triggers are and then reframe how to deal with them, but also be really aware and conscious of what they are, you know, if they're a real trigger and if they're not. But certainly my own stress triggers came from a few different areas in life, from working to relationships. And I I think, 
you know, everybody has different stresses in life. And I think when we, when we can bring them to our conscious view, then I think we, you know, we can do something about it. But my goodness, I, I did not realize, I suppose it's almost like, you know, a fish doesn't realize it's in water until it's taken out of it. And until I wasn't stressed, I didn't realize how, I didn't realize how much I actually was. So I don't know if you can relate to that. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Stress 100% contributed to my diagnosis specifically. It's been compounding and I can kind of pinpoint when the stress level got to a point where I had MS and I didn't know it yet because it was just minor like numbness in my hand kind of thing. So what did your symptoms look like at the beginning? Well, you know what? I had symptoms for quite a while before I was diagnosed and didn't realize that that's what they were, but I had optic neuritis. I had numbness all throughout my body. And, you know, I, I really didn't feel right for quite a long while. But the, the symptoms that had me diagnosed were numbness on my entire right-hand side of my body. But when I look back, the optic neuritis had, had shown up a few times before diagnosis. So when you had that optic neuritis, right, because you're, you're probably having some pain in your eyes and blindness and things, and you went to the doctor, what was the result of that? You know what? I, I was hospitalized when I was pregnant on my second pregnancy, and they did CT scans, and I was kept in for a few days, and they just sent me home. They did not twig any of it. Nothing. They just sent me home and said it was probably stress and I was probably just hitting on a nerve and because of pregnancy and things like that. And it was off you go. Wow. I just can't imagine that. And, and so, and it kept happening, right? You said this happened multiple times with the optic neuritis and wow, they're just chalking it up to that. So it's interesting. Like I know that things aren't normal in my body right? And that's why we go to the doctor. But for them to release you, like when I was initially having symptoms, they told me I had like a vitamin C or calcium, I can't remember which one it was, deficiency, which contributes to numbness. And they gave me a vitamin and sent me home. And the next day, it's like my whole body's numb. So yeah, it's very interesting how that goes on. You said at that time too, you know, you had been dealing with stress along the way. And so how, how did you deal with that? at that time? Because I know that you're a very busy businesswoman. Did your stress continue or did you start to do things that might have been different to alleviate some of that stress? Oh my goodness. Straight away. No, I did nothing other than get more stressed, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, is the total up. I suppose like after diagnosis, you know, you've then got, it, it, weirdly, I had relief because I now had a name to put on the symptoms I was feeling. And I hear that a lot with my own clients. It's like, okay, I'm not going out of my mind. There's actually something that's going on. And now I have a name and I can deal with it. But really, what I found really stressful was pretending that I was okay and the energy that it took so that people wouldn't worry about me or pity me or treat me differently. And that required a huge amount of energy. And I think that stressed me out more. This whole circus of playing pretend and what other people might think. And I think the fact that I was doing that and not really communicating what was going on in my fears inside led to me being more stressed than possibly I needed to be. 
You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I bet a lot of the people listening can really relate to that. I was very lucky in mine that it was public in my job. I couldn't hide it. And so I've just been super comfortable sharing that moving forward because I don't think, like you were saying, it was impacting you stressfully. I I don't want that right? And I'm very cognizant of it. And I know that my biggest trigger is stress. So I I do avoid it. I mean, I know ways to handle it when it comes, but now that I'm doing some yoga and some mindfulness stuff, right? But I probably could use a lot more tips and things on how to deal with it when it comes because I do a lot of avoidance. So in your process of getting to this healthier place, how did you use your core values of integrity and love to really not overcome, but to work through? Yeah, I suppose I'll start with love. The place where my wellness journey began was me deciding to make myself happy because it wasn't until my relationship broke down. And at this point, I had given up my career because my health was not improving. In fact, it was going the other way. And yet my career was doing really well. I mean, I was successful. I decided to give up my career. And honestly, that was so hard because I felt like my identity was then buried. And then, you know, all of the other intricacies that come with that, that then I was relying on somebody else financially and feeling really crappy about that. (laughs) But like really, really feeling down that, oh my goodness, like, what's next? You know, and it was like, I felt like I'd given up on myself. And it wasn't until this relationship breakdown that I had this wake up moment of realizing, and again, I'll go back to that, you know, taking a fish out of water. It wasn't until somebody asked me what I was grateful for, that I realized how unhappy I was and how much I had kind of fallen into a bit of a pit of despair. And it was in that moment that I thought, oh my goodness, I really have dropped I've, I, I've let myself go. I've let the existence of myself kind of go into a bit of darkness. And I decided that particular day, it was in January of, of 2016, if I'm correct, that I decided that I was going to make myself happy. And inside of that, I forgave myself for everything that I hadn't done or that I thought that I should have, that I wasn't doing because, you know, I wasn't really looking after myself. I was just getting on with it day to day. I I was just doing the bare minimum, but I was making myself so wrong. Like I was constantly had this internal dialogue of you're not doing enough. You should be doing more. Oh, look at that person. They're doing great. And it was relentless. Like I was so hard on myself. And if anybody had heard what I was saying to myself, you know, audibly, I probably would have been locked up in an asylum because I was so mean to myself. And it wasn't until that moment that I decided to make myself happy. I forgave myself and I forgave others around me. You know, I forgave others that, and and look, I'll totally hold my hand up in this. When I was diagnosed, I did have this moment of, okay, well, where is everybody now to support me? Everybody's getting on with their life and I'm stuck with this great big fear and this absolute petrifying feeling all the time that, you know, when I wake, it's the first thing I think of where you wake up and then you're like, oh, I have MS. And then it was like late at night. Oh God, here we go again. I hope I don't dream about it or have nightmares. 
that was the way the world was for me. I'm not saying it's like that for everyone, but it was like that for me in the early days. It was like sleeping with the enemy, except it was in me, <laughs> you know, which definitely wasn't pleasant. And, and I allowed love, peace and understanding for everyone else as well, that everybody else was just doing their thing and they didn't have to drop everything and just come to me because I was dealing with something. And that took a little while, like it, it really did. So that's once I had that love for myself and, and allowed that in and really loved myself from the inside out, things started to change. And then where the integrity comes in is, you know, I knew that I could have been doing things for myself, but honestly, I was afraid to do something in case it took me back a few steps or in case I made myself worse or you know, I read so many things. I remember going to yoga and, and somebody says to me, oh, you shouldn't do hot, hot yoga because that's really bad for you. I'm like, what? And then somebody said to me, oh, if you get really excited when you have MS, it's, the re it's ex pretty much the same as when you get stressed. I'm like, oh, give me a break. <laughs> I'm like, you can't win. So it was like, I just had to, to dull out some of those well-meaning pieces of advice. And really they were coming from love, but a lot of the time they landed as annoying as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And holding you back, right? Yeah. 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 So <laughs> where, where the integrity really comes in for me is the things that I knew I could, should, wanted to do, and that I wasn't, I started doing, you know, and without being moral about it. Like it wasn't moral, right or wrong. It was, no, I know this is going to make a difference for myself. And then I started realizing how much influence I could have on my health, on my triggers, on, you know, how I was feeling, how I spoke about myself, about others, my thoughts. And that made a massive difference to myself because once I was then filling up my own cup and, and looking after me, everything started to change. My confidence started to grow. I started to smile more as corny as that sounds. But I, I just started to feel like me again. I started feeling worthy of love, really. And, and I started feeling worthy of being around other people because, and I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but for a, a few years, I, I probably isolated myself quite a bit because I felt like I was so afraid and unhappy and different. I felt so different to all of my friends and everybody else around me that I found it really hard to be around other people and I felt a challenge to be a contribution in a conversation that I thought, you know what, it's just easier not to go out. It's just easier to stay at home, do my own thing and just get on with life. So that love and integrity are, they are the pillars of my life. And, you know, if I start, you know, and, and look, I'm not saying that oh, every day is amazing. And it's, you know, walking through meadows and unicorns and pink rainbow, or whatever. No, like life is life. But certainly they're, they're my North Star of values that bring me back to my core focus and, and the same with my clients too. So this is super interesting that you're mentioning all of this, right? Because my whole life I was focused on my career. I've put everything else aside really and just focused on that because it filled me up. It filled it I don't want to say it filled me up enough, but it 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 really did. I got a lot of joy out of the growth of all of it. And I went back to get my doctorate. And I kept pushing myself and, and I hadn't been um diagnosed yet, but there was I was taking on a lot. And then I changed jobs and it was 
again, a lot. And I wasn't, I didn't have that balance. And so now I've changed jobs to have less stress, but I'm still always missing that little thing that said, oh, you didn't do that. And if you did that other job that you still could attain, you you might be fulfilled. But it's really hard for me to have that balance, Karen. Like it, I'm all in a hundred percent. I'm living at that place and I kind of tune myself out of it. I forget myself and who I am and I'm doing it all for the work. So I don't know what your, what you do in your business exactly, but do you speak with your clients about that at all? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and again, it's one of the, the pillars of my program. So I have the MS to successful formula, uh, successful life formula. And we break down, you know, what it's like to look after yourself psychologically, physiologically, and physically. And said another way, how to look after your physical, mental, and emotional health such that you are healthy in every part because and the reason that I say that is my biggest goal and and life commitment is to transform how disease is treated and that's what my my TEDx talk is about but coming back to your point I, it is such a big topic with my clients on how to balance what you want to do what you're doing and and what you think about you know and I suppose the definition of inner peace is when you're saying doing and acting are the same thing and, and it can be quite hard to get all of those things in place. I could keep you on here all day speaking about this, but I suppose one of the places that I start with my clients is looking at, okay, what is the big list of things that, you know, you've said you've wanted to do and you haven't? And we take a look over that and we work through them together. And we're like, okay, well, is this actually aligned? You know, is this something that you really want to do? Is it, you know, something that you maybe thought of before and it's sitting there in the back of your mind and it's maybe no longer a priority for you? And then we look at, you know, what people's goals are versus where they are now and the gap in between. And, and then we align that with measurable things in order for you to fulfill on them. And, and then inside of that, you know, because w look, when people come to me and, and most of the time it's people with MS or another chronic illness, most of the time when people come to me, look, they, they have an idea of how they want to feel. And it's the most important part of my programs because, look, I could tell people, oh, eat this and move like this. And, and yeah, that's great. And that's what most people want to do first. So tell me the diet. You know, what should I eat? And it's not the first place I start. I want a list of instructions. Can you provide yeah. that? No. Oh, my God. Listen, I, I wish, you know, there was... <laughs> Something like that. And and look, we do part of that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say that we don't. We do part of that. But the place that I start with first is psychologically. So how we think, where we sabotage ourselves, and, and we remedy all of those things first. All of them. We empty out the closet and we have particular proven formulas that, oh my God, I, like I see people's faces and their bodies like literally change during and after these exercises. I actually get people to take a, a picture at them of themselves and their face at the beginning of the program and at the end. And you should see the difference. It's like there is light. I think when people really make a commitment to saying, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of feeling like this or I'm tired of suffering and I want something different. That's when 
that's when people come to me and that's when I can actually get inside, turn stuff inside out and then, you know, bring it back out again the other side. But it's it's the being willing. That's the most important part because I get so many people coming to me and saying, oh, you know, I want to do this or my partner or my wife or my sister, or my friend or my child, whoever it might be, I want them to do this program. I'm like, ah, no, they have to be willing to do the work because there is no point because this like how I work with people is I don't do the work the other person does, but I guide. As one of my clients said, Karen, I feel like I came to you to, you know, get the equivalent of a new couch and I got my whole house redecorated. Wow. You know, it's it's that kind of thing because funnily enough, people come to me to talk about their health and we end up transforming most of people's lives because people might have financial concerns or they might have you know blocks in their relationship or how they are doing in work and we go to work on those areas that are important to that person because otherwise it's just you know putting a band-aid over a volcano there's there's no point and it's not one size fits all so I've I've worked many many years now with people and and we have We've cracked some particular formulas, but if I was to give one tip or the kind of starting point is practicing gratitude each and every single day. And I ended up publishing a gratitude journal. And you know what? If anybody wants, if anybody wants, a fr- I'll give a free download of the gratitude journal. You can print out 52 weeks of it if you want. You don't have to buy it. If they go to karendwire.com, it's under the free resources, but it's one of the most simplest and easy things to do. And, and for me, it, it brings you into the present. So instead of saying, you know, oh, I'll be happy when, it's like, no, right now, right now, today. Like, I'm happy that I didn't have to wash my hair this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'm happy that my, all of my ingredients were ready to go for my smoothie. You know, it can be the most banal thing or it can be something absolutely huge, but it's bringing the focus back to being grateful for now. And look, there's so many hundreds of studies that now have proven that that practicing gratitude daily helps with sleep, health, relationships, communication, even managing your finances. Like it's it's huge. So I'm I'm a massive campaigner for practicing gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. On my um, Facebook group, I actually did a gratitude pledge every day for the month of November. But, you know, we need to continue that. It's not just November because it's Thanksgiving in the States. Um, It's every day that you need to do that. So when I was diagnosed with MS, I started doing this thing because it was just a big deal for me to get home without falling asleep in the car. And so every day when I went to bed, I would say to myself, I'm so grateful that I just got home today safely. And then I would take it off from there and I'd fall asleep counting my blessings. I don't know if you've seen that Christmas movie, White Christmas, but they have a song in there that says, you know, you count your blessings every day. And so anyways, it has helped me just to recognize those little things in my life every day that not only bring me joy, but just get me through the day. And so, yeah, I, I'm totally there with you. Okay. I'm doing one thing right, Karen. Then. Yay. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing plenty more than just one. But look, you know, we, we prime ourselves, our brain for, you know, abundance and, and everything else when we do that. And we, we literally elevate our energy once we start practicing gratitude and our brain starts to look out for more things that you're grateful for. So it's like building a muscle. 
you know, you don't go to the gym once and just, you know, get your muscle. But when you're building that muscle over and over again, your body knows what's happening as soon as you go, you know, to lift those. You know, it's that muscle memory that you're developing within your brain and that neuroplasticity. So it's a lot of the times and I've done like, you know, I do a lot of TV and and radio. And, and you know, when I talk about gratitude first, I I can kind of see the little like, oh, that's nice when people hear it first. But people do not realize how monumentally powerful it is. Yeah, it's pretty dynamic too. So I'm not an expert in those areas. That's why we come to people like you to help us through that. But just pointing that out and recognizing that, hmm, maybe I need to start doing that practice. And once people do, and it's like a constant thing in their life, I'm sure they're going to reap the benefits of that. So I do have a question though, because you're a very accomplished person and you're telling and sharing how they can, you know, better their lives and have that balance. What's something that you do in your life specifically to help you manage all of that, being the mom, being the, the, CEO of your company, you know, all of these things. How does, how does that balance happen for you? That's a really good question. And you know what? It is something that I struggled with for quite a while, like managing myself and my time and my commitments. I've learned through failure is the honest answer. Like I have failed in this so many times. And, and that's why I can answer that really honestly and openly. And it's, it's probably quite a boring answer. So I, I've, Look, the same with with everyone. We all lead busy lives. For me now, how I manage that is before I say yes to anything, everything has to go in a calendar. Everything. I have a calendar, you know, for my kids. I have a cal- and they're all integrated into one. So I use Google calendars. I have a calendar for work. I have a calendar for my VAs. I have a calendar for my clients. I have a calendar for the sports for my daughters. Like everything has got to go into that. And I, I coach on a global leadership program as well. And as you mentioned in the introduction, I, I'm, I sit I'm on some international health advisory boards. And so with that, before I say yes to anything, which I want to say yes to everything, by the way, because it's, you know, it's fun to have variety and, you know, not do my mundane tasks. I much prefer to be off having the chats with, <laughs> with people <laughs> than be, you know, paying invoices or whatever. Um, so my calendar is, I, I, it's, I live and die by that and everything has got to be scheduled. And then an, another tip that I do is I plan out my week. I plan out about 80% of my week. So 80% of my time is booked solid. And I then review that on a Friday and I look back and I color code what I actually got to do and what I missed out on. I kind of look and go, okay, well, you know, I missed out on that. Is that because I'm avoiding it and I really don't want to do it? Or is that, (laughs) which happens a lot, Um, or is that because I genuinely didn't have time or maybe I misaligned how long that would take? And then on a Friday afternoon, I, I review that and then I plan out my following Monday and I block that out and I leave the 20% of time because I might have my clients that I work with, you know, they have access to my diary and, you know, every now and again, if somebody's going through a relapse or if somebody's going through a really stressful period or whatever, or whatever it might be, you know, I might get a message going, Hey, can you fit me in? I'm like, yeah. And I'll move stuff. So I, I just need to have that little bit of, of time to be able to maneuver that. So that's, that's really how I book myself and, and I work in 90 day kind of tranches. So I'll set out my 90 day goals. And I, I do this with my clients too. Like we get meticulous and it's whether somebody's working or not. 
it's it's so powerful when somebody gets to really manage their time and they start seeing things happening and they're ticking things off because it isn't just about the doing it comes back to how you're being and you know what you know I, I talk to clients about this is we could be going through every day and we could be miserable or stressed and we could be still getting stuff done and it would look like a success in adverted commas however if we're doing things and we're feeling like crap or we're feeling stressed or we don't want to be doing them and it's just like getting through the day well it's not really existing in such a way that you're, you know, getting joy or thriving. And, and so we really go deep, you know, in, in the work that I do, we go deep on, on how you show up for yourself and for others and, and, and really ensure that you're getting the most from your life such that, you know, your own values are honored. Right. And I think that measurement of success is different for each person because depending on the severity of your MS or, or your autoimmune disease or what's laid out in front of you, like I'm sure uh, my calendar's busy, but I think yours is probably a little bit more stuffful. And so it it's really not about you know, measuring yourself against others for sure. Cause that, that I do, it's a character flaw of mine. And so I'm working through it, Karen, I promise. But yeah, I got to measure my own successes and meet my own goals where I am. Is that right? Am I, am I approaching that in the right way? Absolutely. And look, there is no right way per se. Okay. And, you know, I really, he I really hear inside of, and, and look, I do it too. So I'm not, saying anything but you know when we say you know if I'm doing it the right way well it has to it has to be right for you like that and and you said it I think you know the the real breaking point for me was when I made that decision to make myself happy and inside of that I surrendered where I was at and I'll say that another way as well because it can sometimes occur like surrendered means giving up but I accepted where I was at instead of fighting it so it was like okay I can take an honest look at myself and look at what's working and what's not and how I'm really showing up for myself. And honestly, it wasn't pretty. And instead of me, you know, beating myself up, which honestly just kept me, it kept me small. It kept me from showing up for myself if I was spending time blaming myself. Whereas if when I said to myself, okay, I'm at where I'm at and I accept it. I accept it wholly and fully. Now I can do something about it. Because if you haven't got a solid foundation and you're going, no, I shouldn't be there. It's like you're running up, you know, a mountain that's full of pebbles. You're not really getting anywhere. Whereas if you get all the pebbles on the ground and you're like, okay, this is what's broken or this is what's not working. And I don't mean broken as in a person. I mean, as in like things, the measurement of your goals that you're trying to fulfill on. And if they, if they are not working, Use all of those as your foundation, as a solid foundation, and put them underneath your feet to step on, rather than carrying them with you on your back, really heavy, exhausting, and beating yourself up all the time. So it's like, hey, I'm ready to use all of this angst, anxiety, whatever you want to call it, all of this beating myself up, like, and just give it up, put it down, use it as the foundation, and then then realign, recalibrate yourself. 
That makes total sense to me. And I never thought about it in that way before, but I'm going to use what you just said to jump off into some things I'm dealing with personally, and we'll see how it goes, Karen. That is really interesting because I, I do carry everything and not like, I don't want to say I carry it like a badge or anything like that, but I do... I do carry that around with me and I have a hard time letting go of it and using it as my foundation, as you said. So you've, you've accomplished so much from the change of since that story you have about being 23 and being in that, that place of all of this opportunity and then, and then coming into where you are now, what's been your biggest accomplishment? What's been my biggest accomplishment? I think, look, the, the moment when I went into my neurologist office and he said that my MS is burnt out, which I didn't know what it meant at the time, to be honest, that all of my lesions had shrunk and, and, you know, my MS was no longer active. That's probably my biggest accomplishment. You know, can I have two? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Most people Thank are you. like, I need three or four. I think, oh God, I hope I don't get emotional when I say this. I think forgiving myself and showing up, showing up and allowing myself to show up imperfect like not beat myself up for not having everything together all the time and actually just accept myself exactly as I am and exactly as I'm not. That's probably my biggest accomplishment. And it's a constant. I am always working on it. But it follows you around in everything that you do. So I don't know about you, but I'm in love with Brene Brown and being that vulnerable person in those situations, right? Realizing that I'm an imperfect person and it's okay. I can still make a contribution to this. That's a big deal, right? And we can say it. I just said it, but I have to live it in, in order to feel that. And so, yeah, I'd say that's a really big accomplishment. Yes. Thank you for sharing that with us. So in your life now, what brings you the most joy? Oh, I think seeing my kids happy. My kids happy first and then my clients, like in my last, no, two, two programs ago, two programs ago or three programs ago, I had one, well, there's three people in particular that stand out for me. I had one person that she'd really bad optic neuritis and she wasn't able to read for 10 years. And she's now on her fifth or sixth book because her eyesight has improved so much. And I had two people that use wheelchairs and they started walking more and more each and every single day. And honestly, it still blows me away. Just my, my clients, when they come, no matter if they achieve something like that or, you know, they eat great five days out of the, out of the seven, like, mm -hmm. I don't care if it's something that is important to them, that literally fills my heart. Like you've no idea at the end of every program, my eyes are so swollen from crying. Like there's tears and snots. <laughs> <laughs> Just from celebrating people, right? Other people, yeah. it seriously brings me joy. So I would be in that same place. Can you tell us, Karen, a little bit more about your program so that if people, if any of this is resonating with them, which I'm sure it's gotta be, how that your program might be able to support them in their lives? Yeah, sure. Well, look, my program started out of, my journey and, and, you know, getting to the neurologist's office and him saying that. And I, I started having people call me and say, I heard you cured yourself. I'm like, no, I didn't cure myself. I don't, not trying to cure. I get so weird about that word because I think, you know, it's so loaded, but I was like, I didn't 
cure myself. I've reversed, you know, my symptoms and I'll share with you what I did and if, you know, it can help you. And I ended up doing that so much and people started getting loads of results that I then, you know, built a program. And so I, I take people through a seven step process and we do it ordinarily over 12 weeks. And then sometimes people stay with me for a little bit longer if they want to, but we work through some steps and we reflect on ourselves. We reflect on your movement, how you show up on your food, everything gets covered. And I, I, there's some really surprising modules in there, but I bring in experts from all around the world and from neurology to sleep, to nutrition, to many different modalities. And what I tend to see is, is that people come in thinking, you know, like I mentioned earlier on that, oh, it's my diet that I want to transform. And they come away like one of my one of my clients just had a second child and she thought she wasn't going to be able to have another kid. One of my other clients has gone back to work because she feels so great. She's never felt better. It's the little things that people come away with that blow me away. But sorry, to talk about the program itself, it's 12 weeks. It's all online, which is great. Um, we were Zooming before Zoom was a thing, before, before COVID <laughs> hit. And I've had people from... I think 15 different countries now around the world. So US, Canada, France, UK, Ireland, Austria, Germany, like a lot of countries. And it's so crazy because people from all different backgrounds, ethnicities, walks of life show up with the same concerns and they're not necessarily MS focused, but the same thoughts, the same blocks, the same worries, fears, and what I tend to see is that when people make that commitment, something shifts and I don't tell people, oh, here's the entire syllabus and you're going to do that each week and here's what's going to happen because then people have a preconceived notion of what it's going to be like. So mm -hmm. if I say to someone, okay, it's nutrition this week, if somebody has a block about nutrition, they're going to come up with some reason not to be there. Sure. or to be busy or I know certainly I would because I'm really good at making excuses. So people come in and they kind of release their concerns and and it requires trust it it really does because they're they're willing to put themselves into a program like this where they're taking themselves on to not just transform their health but their entire lives and it does require it requires a significant amount of energy and i don't mean as in using you know like people are going to be running a marathon or something like that it's not like that at all but in terms of okay oh, no, i'm going to focus my energy on this for an hour each week and maybe 10 minutes each day. And I'll, you know, ask the questions and it might be in a group setting where they may not want to say what they're dealing with. But in actual fact, I find that when people do it, the people that actually ask the questions are the ones that tend to get the most out of the programs because it's like they put themselves on the line. And I remember doing programs, not like this, but like personal development programs and you'd put up your hand to speak and my palms would be sweating and I'd have a knot in my stomach. And then all of a sudden you're talking and then it's like, you know, trying to cool them down then afterwards and my face would be red. So I get what it's like for someone to put themselves in a program like this. And that's why I can really relate to it does take some courage to, you know, speak up and, and speak what your fears are and to allow somebody to be a contribution to you to coach you to transform that into something positive. And, and I really, you know, my commitment with this program is that it's a catalyst to use MS as something positive 
in your life. Yes. So I always say, and I'm not at that place, right? I need what you're talking about a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But MS changed my life in a positive way because I was in that really stressful place and just forgetting who I am. And at least I feel like I've taken that step back to recognize who I am a little bit more and start that journey of really loving myself because I was not there. I was a doormat and I allowed it and I loved it. I was craving it. I'll do anything you need. So yeah, a lot of the things that you said I could really use. I'm sure a lot of our listeners could too. To get a taste of who you are a little bit more. I know that you recently had a TED Talk released. Can you tell us what the premise of that was? Sure. So it's about using using our stress or, or I suppose recognizing our stress and transforming that. But really the, the biggest part is my stand and my activism in transforming how disease is treated globally. And it's not medical bashing, by the way. I've been so lucky to have amazing medical attention and care. And what I see is missing, which I believe could make such a massive difference, is treating the human rather than just symptoms. Because, you know, I showed up with numbness all down my right hand side and I had optic neuritis and I had many different complications along the way from acute labyrinthitis to collapsing driving on the highway because of an infection on my brain. And what I really got to see is my doctors are so gorgeous and so lovely and an amazing neurologist, but they don't have the time to sit with me and talk to me about my stresses, my worries on how I can manage my being every single day, how to calm my nervous system and my fear of my future health. Like one of my biggest fears was, am I going to be able to look after my kids? And, you know, my first depiction of what MS was, and and it was ignorant, I you know, at the time, but all I thought of was a wheelchair. And so I lived my life, every twinge and every pain I felt was like, is this MS? you know, oh my God, is this like the next part to it? Because I was so petrified and that played such a big part in, you know, relapses and stress manifesting to it. So I am really committed to transforming how disease is treated. And I believe that if we have scaffolds of support when somebody is diagnosed with a chronic illness, that we have a real fighting chance at halting the progression of chronic illness. So that is my commitment. And I've started doing it. And and look, if anybody has any suggestions or they want to join the movement and, you know, spread this awareness and, you know, something that I've started doing now, because I, you know, I can't do this by myself and nor do I want to. But so the the program that I've been running, the MS to Successful Life Formula, I'm seeing great results, but I'm now training coaches up to go and Go, go deliver it. Go deliver it with your people and your communities so that that then is bringing that to other people. So if there's coaches out there that want to go and spread this work, please get in touch with me and I will train you up and set you off because I just think we need to be treating the human being more so than just the the symptoms we present with at a doctor or at a hospital. Yeah, I'm more than just my MRI results. 
Exactly that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look, I don't want, I don't want to bash, you know, neurologists or doctors. They're so great, but they just don't have the time. There's a lot more to it. So first off, if you don't know, then you can't ask, right? And so us doing this helps to bring that awareness to people to say, oh, I hear that and I need to do this as a result. So I know because I know it will help me. But Karen, I have a long list here. Hold on just a moment. So from leading from forgiveness to love, putting yourself first and finding inner peace, making a commitment to yourself, practicing gratitude, organizing through your calendars, accepting where you're at and showing up imperfect. Karen, you've added so much to my life today. Can you tell people where they can find you? Because I know they're going to want to reach out. Sure. Thank you. So my Instagram handle is I am Karen Dwyer, K-A-R-E-N-D-W-I-E-R. My website is karendwyer.com. There's loads of free resources there. And actually you can take a quiz and and download a free wellness report. Where else can people find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash I am Karen Dwyer. And uh, I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those are some good resources for sure. Thank you again so much for being here. Links to all of that will be in the show notes for Karen if you'd like to find her that way. Thank you so much um, for being a part of this thriving community. Everybody that's listening, I appreciate you. If you're enjoying the show and taking things away from it that are enhancing your life, please share with someone else so that they may also benefit Karen and everyone. I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Keep thriving. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving. Thriving.